Here's kind of like a long-winded one, but I think it's really, really good. Anyone who does not know how the divine design is arranged in the levels cannot grasp how the heavens are distinguished from each other, or for that matter, what the inner person and the outer person are in an individual. The only idea most people in this world have about inner and outer things is one of continuity or of a coherence along a continuum from the finer to the coarser. Inner and outer things are not arranged in a continuum, though, but with definite boundaries. There are two kinds of levels, continuous and non-continuous. Continuous levels are like decreasing levels of light from a flame all the way to darkness, or like decreasing amounts of sight from objects in the light to objects in the shade or like levels of density of the atmosphere from the lowest to the highest. These levels are measured by distance. Non-continuous or distinct levels, though, are separated like prior and posterior, cause and effect, producer and product. Anyone who looks closely will discover that there are these kinds of stages of production and composition in everything in the world, no matter what, with one thing arising from another, and a third from that, and so forth. People who do not acquire a grasp of these levels have no way of knowing how the heavens are arranged or the arrangement of our own deeper and more outward abilities or the difference between the spiritual world and the natural world or the difference between our spirit and our body. This also means they cannot understand what correspondences and images are, or what inflow is like. People who are attentive only to their physical senses do not grasp these differences, but regard them as instances of increase and decrease on the model of continuous levels. As a result, they cannot think of the spiritual except as a kind of purer natural, so they stand outside, far removed from intelligence. Lastly, let me disclose a particular secret about the angels of the three heavens that people have not been aware of until now, because they have not understood levels. It is this, that within every angel And with every one of us here, there is a central or highest level or a central and highest something where the Lord's divine life flows in first and most intimately. It is from this center that the Lord arranges the other relatively internal aspects within us that follow in sequence according to the levels of the overall design. This central or highest level can be called the Lord's gateway to the angels or to us, his essential dwelling within us. It is this central or highest level that makes us human and distinguishes us from the lower animals since they do not have it. This is why we, unlike animals, can be raised up by the Lord toward himself 
as far as all the deeper levels of our mind and character are concerned. This is why we can believe in him, be moved by love for him, and therefore see him. It is why we can receive intelligence and wisdom and talk rationally. It is also why we live forever. However, what is arranged and provided by the Lord at this center does not flow into the open perception of any angel because it is, because it is higher than angelic thought and surpasses angelic wisdom. These, then, are some of the general facts about the three heavens. In the following pages, we will need to say more about each heaven in particular. Here's a good passage. Let me open my book. Uh, Let's see. I need to one-hand this one. All right. Let's see here. On the grounds of all my experience, which has lasted for several years now, I can say with full confidence that in their form, angels are completely human. They have faces, eyes, ears, chests, arms, hands, and feet. They see each other, hear each other, and talk to each other. In short, They lack nothing that belongs to humans except that they are not clothed with a material body. I've seen them in their own light, which is far, far greater than noonday on our earth. And in the light, I have seen all the details of their faces more crisply and clearly than I have seen the faces of people here in the world. I've also been allowed to see an angel of the central heaven. His face was more glorious, more radiant than that of angels of the lower heavens. I looked at him very closely, and he had a human form in full perfection. It does not need to be realized, though, that we cannot see angels with our bodily eyes, only with the eyes of our spirit, because they are in the spiritual world, while Everything bodily is in the natural world. Like sees like because it is of like substance. Further, the body's visual organ, the eye, is so crude that, as everyone knows, it does not even see the smaller elements of nature without a lens, much less things that are above the sphere of nature, as are all the realities of the spiritual world. These can be seen by us, though, when we are released from bodily sight and the sight of our spirit is opened. This happens instantly when it pleases the Lord that we should see. It then seems to us exactly as though we were seeing with our bodily eyes. This is how angels were seen by Abraham, Lot, Manoah, and the prophets. This is how the Lord was seen by the disciples after the resurrection. This is the same way, too, in which I have seen angels. Because this was how the prophets saw, they are called seers, and ones whose eyes are open, Samuel 9, 9, Numbers 23, 3, and 
The act of enabling them to see this way is called, quote, opening the eyes. This is what happened to Elisha's servant, of whom we read, Elisha prayed, Jehovah, sorry, Elisha prayed, Jehovah, open his eyes, I pray so that he may see. And Jehovah opened the eyes of his servant. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and fiery chariots surrounding Elisha. Second Kings 6, colon 17. Some honest spirits I talked with about this were distressed at heart that there was such great ignorance in the church about the state of heaven and about spirits and angels. They kept insisting that I should take back the message that they were not formless minds or ethereal breath, but human in form, and that they saw and heard and felt just as much as people in this world do. All right, I think you're going to like this one. People today do not know what, quote, correspondence is. There are many reasons for this ignorance, the primary one being that we have moved away from heaven because of our love for ourselves and for the world. You see, people who love themselves and the world above all focus on nothing but earthly matters because these provide gratification to their more outward senses and pleasure to their moods. They do not attend to spiritual matters because these offer gratification to their deeper senses and pleasure to their minds. So they set such matters aside, saying that they are too lofty to think about. The early people behaved differently. For them, knowledge about correspondences was the pearl of all knowledge. By means of it, they gained intelligence and wisdom, and by means of it, those who were of the church had a communication with heaven. Knowledge about correspondences is, in fact, angelic knowledge. The earliest ones, who were heavenly people, did their thinking from correspondence like angels, so they could even talk with angels. Further, the Lord was quite often visible to them and taught them. Nowadays, though, this knowledge has been so completely lost that people do not know what correspondence is. Now, Without some grasp of what correspondence is, nothing can be known in clear light about the spiritual world or about its inflow into the natural world. Nothing at all about what the spiritual is relative to the natural. Nothing in clear light about the human spirit that is called, quote, the soul and how it affects the body inwardly. Nothing about our state after death. Because of all this, I need to define it and explain what it is. Sorry, to define it and explain what it is like. This will also pave the way for matters that are to follow. First, I need to state what correspondence is. The whole natural world is responsive to the spiritual world. The natural world, not just in general, but in detail. So whatever arises in the natural world out of the spiritual one is called something that corresponds. It needs to be realized that the natural world arises from 
and is sustained in being by the spiritual world, exactly the way an effect relates to its efficient cause. By, quote, the natural world, I mean all that extended reality that is under our sun and that receives its light and warmth from it. All the things that are sustained in being from the source belong to that world. The spiritual world, in contrast, is heaven, and to that world belong all the things that are in the heavens. Since a human being is a heaven and a world in least form, in the image of the greatest, there is a spiritual world and a natural world within each of us. The deeper elements which belong to our minds and relate to our intelligence and volition constitute our spiritual world, while the outer elements which belong to our bodies and relate to our senses and actions constitute our natural world. Anything that occurs in our natural world, that is, in our bodies and their senses and actions, because of our spiritual world, that is, because of our minds and their intelligence and volition, is called something that corresponds. We can see in the human face what correspondence is like. In a face that has not been taught to dissimulate, all the affections of the mind manifest themselves visibly, visibly in a natural form, as though in their very imprint, which is why we refer to the faces as the index of the mind. This is our spiritual world within our natural world. Similarly, elements of our understanding are manifest in our speech and matters of our volition in our physical behavior. So things that occur in the body, whether in our faces or in our speech or in our behavior, are called correspondences. We can also see from this what the inner person is and what the outer person is, namely that the inner is the one that is called the spiritual person and the outer the natural person. We can also see that they are as distinct from each other as heaven and earth and that everything that happens and comes forth in the outer or natural person does so from the inner spiritual one. We have been talking about the correspondence of our inner or spiritual person with our outer or natural one. In what follows, though, we need to discuss the correspondence of heaven in its entirety with the individual human being. Angels are stunned when they hear that there are people who credit everything to nature and nothing to the divine, as well as people who believe that their bodies, in which so many wonders of heaven are gathered, are fashioned out of nature, and even that this is the source of our rational capacity. On the contrary, if people would just raise their minds a little, they could see that things like this come from the divine and not from nature, and that nature was created simply to clothe the spiritual and responsively represent it on the lowest level of the design. They compare such people to owls, which see in darkness 
but see nothing in the light. Here's where I think the poet and artist in you will appreciate Swedenborg. This is starting to get deeper into correspondences. Okay. In the preceding chapter, we have stated what correspondence is and have explained as well that absolutely everything in the soul's body is a correspondence. Next, in orderly sequence, we need to explain that everything earthly and in general everything in our world is a correspondence. All earthly things are differentiated into three classes that we'll call kingdoms, namely the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the mineral kingdom. Members of, members of the animal kingdom are correspondences on the first level because they are alive. Members of the plant kingdom are correspondences on the, on the second level because they merely grow. Members of the mineral kingdom are correspondences on the third level because they neither live nor grow. The correspondences in the animal kingdom are the living creatures of various kinds, both those that walk and creep on the earth and those that fly in the air. We need not list them by name because they are familiar. Correspondences in the plant kingdom are all the things that grow and bloom in gardens and forests and farms and meadows, which again are so familiar that they need not be listed by name. Correspondences in the mineral kingdom are metals, noble and base, stones, precious and common, and soils of various kinds, as well as bodies of water. Beyond these, things made from these elements by human industry for our use are correspondences, things such as foods of all kinds, garments, houses, major buildings, and so on. Things that are above the earth are also correspondences, things like the sun, the moon, the stars, and all things that occur in our atmosphere like clouds, mists, rainstorms, lightning bolts, thunderclaps. The emanations of the sun in its presence and absence, like light and shade, warmth and cold, are also correspondences, and so are such corollaries as the times of the year called spring, summer, fall, and winter, and the times of the day, morning, noon, evening, and night. In a word, absolutely everything in nature from the smallest to the greatest is a correspondence. The reason correspondences occur is that the natural world, including everything in it, arises and is sustained from the spiritual world, and both worlds come from the divine. We say that it is also we say that it also is sustained because everything is sustained from that from which it arose, enduring enduring being in fact a perpetual arising and since nothing can endure independently but needs something prior it therefore needs a first and if it were separated from that first it would utterly perish and disappear everything is a correspondent that arises and endures in nature according to the divine design what makes the divine design is the divine good that emanates from the lord it begins from him emanates from him through the heavens in sequence into the world and there comes to a close in the things most remote things there that are in accord with the design are correspondences 
the things that are in accord with the design are everything that is good and is perfected for some use. For everything good is good according to its usefulness. Its form reflects what is true because the true is the form of the good. This is why everything in the whole world and in the world of nature that is in the divine design goes back to what is good and what is true. The fact that everything in this world arises from the divine and is clothed with the kinds of elements in nature that enable it to be present there serve some use and therefore correspond follows clearly from little things we can observe in both the animal and the plant kingdoms in each there are things that anyone with some deeper thought can see must come from heaven by way of illustration i may mention only a few out of the countless many first some from the animal kingdom in this field many people realize what kind of knowledge is virtually instinctive in any creature you choose bees know how to collect honey from flowers build cells from wax in which they store their honey and so provide food for themselves and their families for the coming winter their queen lays eggs while the others cover them over and lead her around so that a new generation may be born. They live under a kind of government that all their members know instinctively, protecting their useful members and expelling the useless ones and clipping off their wings. There are even more marvels that are given them from heaven for their use. In fact, their wax serves the human race throughout the world for candles and their honey for flavoring foods. Then what about caterpillars, the lowest creature in the animal kingdom? They know how to nourish themselves with the sap of their preferred leaves and in due time how to make a covering around themselves and virtually put themselves in a womb and so to hatch offspring of their own species. Some first turn into nymphs and chrysalides and make threads and after exhausting labor grace themselves with the new bodies and adorn themselves with wings then fly in the air as though it were their heaven celebrate their quote weddings lay their eggs and so provide themselves with a posterity over and above these particular examples all the birds in the air know the foods that are given for them not only what they are but where they are they know how to construct nests for themselves and each species differently from all others how to lay the eggs there incubate them hatch and feed their chicks and expel them from their nest when they can be on their own they also know the particular enemies they must avoid and the allies they can associate with all from earliest infancy i will say nothing about the wonders and the eggs themselves where everything necessary for the formation and nourishment of the embryonic chicks lies properly available or countless other wonders. Will anyone who thinks with any rational wisdom say that such things arise from any source but a spiritual world, a world that the natural world serves by clothing what comes from it with a body, a present, a presenting in effect that which is spiritual in origin? The reason why earthbound animals and the birds of the air are born into all this knowledge while we who are actually superior are not is that animals are in the proper pattern of their life and cannot destroy what is within them from the spiritual world because they are not 
rational. It is different for us who think from the spiritual world because we have corrupted ourselves by living contrary to the design that reason itself has recommended to us. We cannot escape being born into total ignorance so that we can be led from there by divine means back into the pattern of heaven. We can deduce how members of the plant kingdom Okay, so that last line, I'm going to just say that one again because that seemed like a good place to stop. Because we have corrupted ourselves by living contrary to the design that reason itself has recommended to us. We cannot escape being born into total ignorance so that we can be led from there by divine means back into the pattern of heaven. Boom, that's pretty good stuff right there. Let's just take this one a little bit further here. Nowadays, nowadays, though, no one can know about the spiritual things in heaven to which natural things in the world correspond except from heaven because the knowledge of correspondence has now been completely lost. I should like to present a few examples to show what the correspondence of spiritual things with natural ones is like. In general, Earth's living creatures correspond to affections, the mild and useful ones to good affections, the fierce and useless ones to evil affections. Specifically, cattle and calves correspond to affections of the natural mind. Sheep and lambs to affections of the spiritual mind. Flying creatures, species by species, correspond to cognitive activities of either level of the mind. This is why various animals such as cattle, calves, rams, sheep, Male and female goats, male and female lambs, as well as pigeons and turtle doves were accepted for holy use in the Israelite church, which was a representative church. They used them for their sacrifices and burnt offerings, and in these uses they did in fact correspond to spiritual realities that are understood in heaven in accord with their correspondence. The reason animals are affections, according to their genera and species, is that they are alive, and the only source of the life of any creature is from affection, and is in proportion to it. We humans are like animals as far as our natural person is concerned, which is why we are compared to them in colloquial usage. For example, we call a gentle person a sheep or a lamb, a violent one a bear or a wolf, a crafty one a fox or a snake, and so on. There is similar correspondence with, the th with things in the plant kingdom. A garden, in general terms, corresponds to heaven in respect to intelligence and wisdom, which is why heaven is called the garden of God and a paradise and why we call it a heavenly paradise. Trees, 
species by species correspond to perceptions and first-hand knowledge of what is good and true, which yield intelligence and wisdom. So the early people who were absorbed in the knowledge of correspondences held their holy worship in groves. This is why trees are mentioned so often in the word and why heaven, the church, and people are compared to them, to the vine, for example, the olive, the cedar, and others, and the good we do is compared to fruit. Further, the foods we derive from them, especially the ones we get from crops planted in fields, correspond to affections for what is good and true because they nourish our spiritual life the way earthly foods nourish our natural life. Bread, generally speaking, corresponds to an affection for whatever is good because it it is the mainstay of life and because it is used to mean all food. It is because of this correspondence that the Lord calls himself the bread of life and is also because of this that bread was put to holy use in the Israelite church. They did, in fact, place bread on the table in the tabernacle and called it, quote, the bread of presence. Then, to all divine worship that they performed by sacrifices and burnt offerings was called bread. Because of this correspondence to the most sacred worship in the Christian church is the Holy Supper, in which bread and wine are shared. From these few examples, we can infer what correspondence is like. We may note briefly how the union of heaven with the world occurs by means of correspondences. The Lord's kingdom is a kingdom of purposes that are functions or which amounts to the same thing of functions that are purposes. For this reason, the universe has been so created and formed by the divine that functions can clothe themselves in materials that enable them to present themselves in act or in results, first in heaven and then in this world. And so, step by step, all the way to the lowest things in nature, we can see from this that the correspondence of natural phenomena with spiritual ones or of the world with heaven takes place through functions, and that the functions are what unite them. We can also see that the forms that clothe the functions are correspondences and unions to the extent that they are forms of the functions. In the three kingdoms of earthly nature, all things that happen according to the design are outward forms of their functions or results formed by function for function. This is why the things that occur there are correspondences. As for us, though, our acts are services in forms to the extent that we live according to the divine design, that is, in love for the Lord and in thoughtfulness toward our neighbor. To that extent, our acts are correspondences that unite us to heaven. In general terms, loving the Lord and our neighbor is being of service.
Just as everything that is in accord with the divine design corresponds to heaven, everything that is contrary to the divine design corresponds to hell. Everything that corresponds to heaven reflects what is good and true, while what corresponds to hell reflects what is evil and false. We may now say something about the knowledge of correspondences and its use. We have just stated that the spiritual world, which is heaven, is united to the natural world by means of correspondences. So it is through correspondences that we are given communication with heaven. Heaven's angels do not think in terms of natural phenomena the way we do. So when we are absorbed in the knowledge of correspondences, we can be in the company of angels in respect to the thoughts of our minds. So we can be united to them in regard to our spiritual or inner person. In order that there might be a union of heaven with humanity, the word was written in pure correspondences. Absolutely everything in it corresponds. So if we were steeped in a knowledge of correspondences, we would understand the word in its spiritual meaning and be enabled to know hidden treasures in it that we do not see it all in its literal meaning. The word does in fact have a literal meaning and a spiritual meaning. The literal meaning consists of the kind of things that are in our world, while the spiritual meaning consists of the kind of things that are in heaven. And since the union of heaven with our world is maintained by correspondences, we have been given a word in which the details correspond, even down to the last jot. I have been taught in heaven that the earliest people on our planet, who were heavenly people, thought on the basis of actual correspondences, and that the natural phenomena of the world that greeted their eyes served them as a means for thinking in this way. Because they were of this character, they were in the company of angels and talked with them. And in this way, heaven was united to the world through them. Therefore, that era was called the Golden Age. Classical authors described it as a time when the inhabitants of heaven dwelt with mortals and kept them company as friend with friend. After this era, though, a people came who did not think from actual correspondences, but from a knowledge about correspondences. There was still a union of heaven with humanity, but not such an intimate one. Their era was called the Silver Age. The people who came next were indeed familiar with correspondences, but did not do their thinking on the basis of their knowledge of correspondences. This was because they were engrossed in what is good on the natural level and not like their ancestors on the spiritual level. Their era was called the Bronze Age. I have been taught, lastly, that after that era, humanity became more and more externally minded and at last physically minded. Then the knowledge of correspondences was completely lost and with it any awareness of heaven and of its riches. The names of these ages, golden, silver, and bronze, also 
come from correspondence because gold, by reason of correspondence, because gold by reason, hold on, I'm trying to turn a page. Oh, is there, am I missing a page? Is there some more? Oh, there it is. Um, gold by reason of correspondence. The heavenly goodness in which the earliest people lived. Silver, in contrast, means the spiritual goodness in which their successors, the early people, lived, while bronze means the natural goodness characteristic of their immediate followers. Iron, though, which gave its name to the last era, means a harsh truth devoid of good. The reason divine truth is light for angels is that angels are spiritual and not natural. Spiritual people see things from their sun and natural people see from theirs. Divine truth is what provides angels with discernment and discernment is their inner sight which flows into their outer sight and produces it. So whatever is seen in heaven from the Lord as the sun is seen in the light. Since this is the source of light in heaven, it varies depending on the acceptance of divine truth from the Lord, or, which amounts to the same thing, depending on the intelligence and wisdom angels participate in. This means that it is different in the heavenly kingdom than in the spiritual kingdom, and different in each community. The light in the heavenly kingdom looks fiery because the angels who are there accept light from the Lord as the sun. The light in the spiritual kingdom, though, is white because the angels who are there accept light from the Lord as the moon. Further, the light is not the same in one community as in another. It even differs within each community. People in the middle are in more light, and people round about are in less. In short, the extent to which angels are open to divine truth, that is, participate in intelligence and wisdom from the Lord, they have light. This is why heaven's angels are called angels of light. Because the Lord in the heavens is divine truth and divine truth there is light. The Lord is called, quote, light in the word. As is the truth that comes from him. Note the following passages. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 9, 15. Jesus said, 
For a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light to prevent the darkness from overtaking you. While you have light, believe in the light so that you may be children of the light. I have come as a light into the world so that anyone who believes in me may not remain in the darkness. John 12, 35, 36, 40, 46. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness more than light. John three nineteen. John said of the Lord, He is the true light that enlightens everyone. John 1, 4, 9. The people that sit in darkness will see a great light, and for those who were sitting in the shadow of death, a light has risen. Matthew 4, 16. I will make you a covenant of the people, a light of the nations. Isaiah 42, 6. I have established you as the light of the nations, so that you may be my salvation to the end of the earth. Isaiah 49, 6. The nations that have been saved will walk towards his light. Revelation 21, 24. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Psalms 43, 3. In these and other passages, the Lord is called light by reason of the divine truth that comes from him. And that truth itself is called light as well, because the Lord as the sun is light in the heavens. When he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, his face shone like the sun and his garments as light, sparkling and white as snow, as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Matthew 17, Mark 9. The reason the Lord's garments looked as they did was that they were images of the divine truth that comes from him in the heavens. Garments in the word mean truths as well. So it says in David, Jehovah, you clothe yourself with light as a garment. Psalms 104.2 It stands to reason that the light in the heavens is spiritual and that the light is divine and truth when we consider that we also have spiritual light and that we have enlightenment from it to the extent that we participate in intelligence and wisdom on the basis of divine truth. Our spiritual light is the light of our discernment, whose objects are things that arrain, whose objects are things true that it arranges in order by a process of analysis and forms into relationships, and from which it draws a series of conclusions. Natural people are unaware that the light that enables us to see such things is a real light because they do not see it within their eyes or notice it within their thought. Still, many people do recognize it and also distinguish it from the natural light in which they find themselves when they are thinking naturally and not spiritually. 
people are thinking naturally when they are focusing solely on this world and attributing everything to nature. They are thinking spiritually, however, when they focus on heaven and attribute everything to the divine. I have often been allowed to perceive that the light that illuminates the mind is a true light, quite different from the light that we call natural light. I have also been allowed to see it. I have been gradually elevated into that light inwardly, and as I was raised up, my discernment was enlightened to the extent that I could grasp what I had been unable to grasp before. Ultimately, things that could in no way be comprehended by thought from natural light. At times, I have resented the fact that they were incomprehensible in natural light when they were so clearly and plainly perceived in the heavenly light. Since our mind does have light, we speak of it much as we do of our eyes. For example, that it sees and is in the light when it grasps something, and that it is in darkness and shadows when it does not. And there are many other similar sayings. Since heaven's light is divine truth, that light is also divine wisdom and intelligence. Consequently, quote, being raised into heaven's light means the same thing as, quote, being raised into intelligence and wisdom and being enlightened. So, too, light among angels is at exactly the same level as their intelligence and wisdom. Since heaven's light is divine wisdom, people are recognized in heaven's light for what they really are. Everyone's inner nature shines forth from the face, just as it is, with nothing whatever concealed. Further, the more internally minded angel, angels love to have everything within them visibly. The more internally minded angels love to have everything within them visible because they do not intend anything but what is good. It is different for people who are below heaven and do not intend what is good. They are profoundly afraid of being seen in heaven's light. Remarkably, people in hell look human to each other, but in heaven's light, they look like monsters with frightful faces and bodies in the exact form of their evil. We have similar appearance as to our spirits when angels look at us. If we are good, we look like handsome individuals in accord with our goodness. If we're evil, we look like monsters, misshapen in accord with our evil. We can see from this that everything is clear in heaven's light. It is clear because heaven's light is divine truth. Since divine truth is the light in the heavens, all true things are luminous there, wherever they occur, whether within an angel, outside of an angel, within the heavens or outside of the heavens. Still, 
The truths outside the heavens do not shine the way the truths inside the heavens do. The truths outside the heavens shine coldly, like something snowy, without warmth, because unlike truths within the heavens, they do not derive their essence from what is good. So that cold light disappears at the touch of heaven's light. And if there is some underlying evil, it turns to darkness. I've seen this several times along with many other remarkable things concerning luminous truths, which I forego for now. Something now needs to be said about heaven's warmth. In its essence, heaven's warmth is love. It emanates from the Lord as the sun, which is divine love for the Lord and from the Lord as has been explained in the preceding chapter. We can therefore see that heaven's warmth is just as spiritual as its light because they come from the same source.